the uses of cinder blocks I felt yes. deep in my heart. And then, um, you know, children having to bring in their sleeping bags to get through church services. Mm-hmm. Been there. <laughs> so, I mean, I know all about it. <laughs> Not that it was a bad thing. All fond memories. Well, let's what? Let's just jump in. Let's you jump, jump in. in. Yeah. Can I can I do us a favor, Amaryllis, and just set up the opening scene? Absolutely. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when it comes to documentaries, a lot of times you don't get um, a whole lot of really theatrical or cinematic um, filmography. I guess is what they right. call it. Cinematography. Cinematography. Yeah. Um, this one straight up opens in a Piggly Wiggly parking lot. and You mean not the pig? That's how we say it. The here. pig. But not one, but two. The P and the G. They had lost the fluorescence on that. So it said Iggly, Iggly. Iggly, Iggly. Yeah. yeah that's, that's normal. Yeah. If you're not from here, which it, we're talking Alabama, folks. Mm-hmm. Deep in the heart of Dixie. Right. Here. And in Alabama, there are four major cities, right. and everybody else lives in tiny little towns. That's right. That have piggly wigglies. Yes. The pig is what we call the it. The pig. Or oftentimes, we just call it the iggly iggly. The iggly iggly. Yeah. And when I saw that, I said, sold. Yep. I'm ready for Done. a good time. They've just opened it in the piggly wiggly. So before we get started, let's, let's just make sure everybody knows when we talk about these documentaries, we talk about all of it. Mm-hmm. So if you do not want to be spoiled, you should stop this podcast right now, go watch it, and then come back. Yes. And or you if can... You do not want to watch it this is the perfect podcast for you because we watched it so you don't have to exactly so what i just i just want people to know there's spoilers right okay there are spoilers this particular one this particular film can be seen on hbo max mm-hmm. okay and so you can stream it yes and I, do they have like a seven day trial maybe if you don't have hbo max i'm pretty sure all of those yeah upgrade so. channels have some type of you know but don't be so cheap it's like eight dollars a month i mean you're gonna forget to cancel it anyway that's exactly right so don't fool yourself just pay it go yes yeah we're gonna class action park is on hbo max as well yes so you're gonna have to have it for that they've got some really great series too so they've got some good stuff yeah so uh watch it on hbo and get your free trial and know that we're about to give you some spoilers we're going to go top to bottom on this thing and hbo we're more than happy to take you on as a sponsor thank you very much absolutely absolutely we have so many listeners just call me on my cell phone (laughs) (laughs) what's your number mr hbo if you're listening (laughs) just call misty thank you Mr. Head of the HBO conglomerate, go mm-hmm. ahead and <laughs> go ahead and give me a, a ring-a-ding. We'll set it up. I'll have your people call my people. Outstanding, outstanding. Yes. All right. Well, um, how do we want to start off with this thing? It's just, it's a lot. Well, it it would be so easy to make fun of this movie if it wasn't so tragic. Tragic. Yeah. Now, I do have to say there are parts of it that. I could not help but giggle at. Oh, gosh. But not in a making fun kind of way, but in an only somebody from Alabama would get it kind of way. Um, Small town Alabama. Right. And I think also if you did not grow up here or you were not part of a small town, which I was, and part of a small church, which I was, um, it can be kind of like this is not real life. This People don't really do these kind of things. 
Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, but they do. They do. Yeah. Now, to be clear, Misty, you guys did not handle snakes. Um, I mean... No, we didn't. <laughs> In the world! <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your ass got so big. I was like, are you no. going to say yes? No. But now, let me tell you this. The church that we're going to be talking about that's part of this documentary um they identify as pentecostal yeah and um pentecostal churches are very charismatic um they're very much about um the holy spirit and feeling and prophecy and all these kinds of things and so when i was very young when my father first um found christ and um was called to salvation and called to be a minister um, he was in a Pentecostal church. And so the first um, couple of my formative church years were in a Pentecostal church when I was very young. I don't remember it, um, but I do remember going back to Pentecostal churches to visit, and much of my family um, still, still yeah. are part of a Pentecostal church. Now, we were not snake handlers, yeah. so well, do most, not look at Most a, Pentecostals are right, not. Right, do not yeah. think... Especially if you're not familiar, don't watch this documentary and think, oh, "Oh, the Pentecostals be handling them snakes up in there. Yeah. That's not the norm. Now, your dad had a little bit of the same story in the sense that he came from a rough beginning and he was redeemed of his life, of how he had been through the church. Yes, very much so. But obviously, it was not taken to this extreme, and he lived his life in a holy way. Right, right. And, um, you know, I also... The one thing that I did watch about this documentary, and I did go, I hope people don't get this idea, is that, um, you know, there are there are things in this documentary that I go, ooh, that's I don't I don't think that's biblically founded. Correct. But I don't want people to look at this and think, oh well, you know, everything in the Bible is a bunch of hocus pocus or anything. Yeah. And I don't ever want it to come across that way. But there are people that can take scripture and transform it into something that is not biblically based so well yeah you just see what you want to see yeah you see what you want to see and when you when you get too much and I think this documentary does help kind of show this in a in a great way that when you go too much off a feeling Mm -hmm. you can really start to twist things to your own desires yeah so yeah it'll put you in a bad spot yeah but the documentary so so the documentary starts out in Scottsboro Alabama. Yeah, that's a little town north Alabama. It's a little bit north of where I grew up in Mm -hmm. Gadsden, which comes into play at the very end with the Gadsden Times. Right, right. Um, And I only know one person from Scottsboro, and he's salt of the earth, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Shout out to John Sampson. Yeah. And, um, but, so if you were to come to me and say, this happened in Scottsboro, I would say, but if they're like John Sampson... There's no could way. Not have There's no way. This couldn't have happened. And according to most of the people interviewed, the people in Scottsboro, this was not the norm for their right. their community either. Yeah. Um, this well, is not, not like your church on the corner. Right. This is like backwoods. Well, the Pentecostal holiness, I think is what they're called, either holiness Pentecostal or Pentecostal holiness. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't cut their hair and they wear really long skirts and they handle snakes and that's probably like a tenth of a percent of worldwide christianity you know right. especially in the south we have a church on every corner 
but uh, uh, contrary to popular opinion, they do not all have snakes. Right, and you know, only a handful in that area, part of the world, have right. And the and the Pentecostal segment. I mean, they're just like all of the other, you know, churches like Baptist, and yeah. you know, they've uh, they've evolved some of their yeah. ways over time, and it's it's not all long hair and long skirts yeah. in some of the churches. But in this one in particular, oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, yes, it was. And so on October 4th, 1991, something happened in Scottsboro. Something big. Something big. And so the first two people that we meet are David Kinnamer and Bobby Carson, and they are ambulance drivers. Paramedics. Paramedics. And uh, they were just trying to get them a little something to eat that night. <laughs> At the pig. <laughs> At the pig. At the pig. And they got a call. Dang it, we got a call. Yeah, they got a call, and, you know, they looked over, and they said, well, looks like we're not going to get to eat tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So off they went. So off they went. Here we go. (laughs) He goes, he goes, we've gotten calls like this before for a snake bite. (laughs) He goes, I mean, we'll we'll get a snake bite every once in a while. And we were just like, well, we're not going to get to finish this burger. Yep, yeah. Thanks a lot. So it kind of starts off, like you said, in a almost like a horror movie yeah because you know they're they're two buddies they're about to get something to eat they get the call and then the action starts yeah and here they go and so you see the silhouette of this woman well wait well first they tell them go with a code one which means your lights and your sirens are off which to them was like oh my gosh like what does that mean and from what I from what I could gather, they didn't have a whole lot of back and forth from the dispatchers. Mm-hmm. So they didn't exactly know what was going on other than snake bite, keep off your lights and sirens. And so they said they don't ever question that. They just do yeah. it because there's always a reason. Um, but then they see something real creepy. Yeah, they see a silhouette of a woman walking towards them kind of like she's a zombie. Yeah. And they get close and they see that her arm is jacked up. It's been bit. It's got some problems. It's it's got more than a few problems. It's got some problems. It's black, it's and <laughs> as is wont to do when you're bitten by a rattlesnake, right? And and you've waited a couple. And of there's days. some bone exposed. Yes, and you've waited a couple of days to get it looked at. And when I first saw this, I said, "Well, this is a recipe for a ghost." I mean, if I've ever seen one, that's that's not even yes. even human like because. Yes. Why in the world, if you have been bitten by a snake, would you give it any time? Well, this is the problem. This right. is This is the conundrum that we have here. Right. So they took her to the hospital. The hospital in Scottsboro says, <laughs> we ain't got no antivenom. <laughs> Take her to Birmingham. And, and, and David said, I looked at Bobby and I said, get me to Birmingham. <laughs> And I don't like to brag, but um, I'm not going to tell y'all exactly where we live, but uh, we would be considered part of the ham, right? Oh, yes. On the outskirts. Yes. So um, I felt pretty much like a celebrity <laughs> when, when he said, get me to Birmingham. I mean, I've been to hospitals in Birmingham. And I'm, I'm not going to try to make any big breaches here, but I'm going to say they might have went to UAB. Oh, I absolutely went to UAB. There's no question. Um. I hope they didn't go to Cooper Green. (laughs) That is a local inside. I don't even think that's a hospital anymore. But (laughs) if you're from here, you know know what what we mean. Don't don't 
my daddy got in a car accident one time in Birmingham. Let me tell you this. He gets in a car accident one time in Birmingham, and it made him go pass out, okay? So when he came to, he said the ambulance drivers were around him, and they were like, Mr. Thacker, like, we're working on you. We're going to get you to the hospital. And he said, if UAB's full and you try to take me to Cooper Green, just let me die on the street right here. (laughs) Because it would be more humane. <laughs> All right. Uh, people from across the world who are listening to this, yeah. um, just fast forward through that part. Just fast forward. <laughs> but anyway, so they drive on down to Birmingham. They sure did. <laughs> and it's 89 miles away, so they got a little ways to go. Yes. So uh, throughout this thing, they, they've been talking to um, – investigators mm-hmm. so they go back and forth on the timeline right and so now we're in present day they're talking to the investigators and right. um there's the second generation investigator his daddy had worked on this case yeah and he says the line of the entire i mean it just encompasses the entire thing so folks if you don't listen to anything else we say in this next um eight hour podcast that right. we're about to do mm-hmm. um i want you to hear this hear this okay what this documentary is about is religion relationships murder and booze amen and that's it now you can turn it off now thanks for joining you're us. done thanks for joining us i mean it sounded like a saturday night at my house I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a saturday a uh, sunday because you've been to church a on sunday, sunday. Yeah. oh that's true oh, yeah. that's yeah, true yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, um so let's see where are we so what what had happened what had happened well, what had happened was um Glenn Summerford mm-hmm. had been alleged had allegedly assaulted his wife Darlene with one of his fifteen snakes. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so the police go so the police go to their house and they look around. By the way, it looked like hoarders, nineteen ninety one. They had my. There my- was a raccoon in a purse when he said. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> thought it was a snake but no now let me set this up let me set this up for you they go walking into this shed okay not not like a garage not a building a straight up shed and you see about 15 um fish aquariums with some chicken wire over top (laughs) being held up by cinder blocks and a light bulb and safe so safe so safe and there are ginormous snakes rattlesnakes rattlesnakes poisonous snakes in this building well so they get those under control they fight those and and get those in wooden boxes and then they make their way into the house to make sure there's no other snakes or anything like that and he said and then I started to see a purse moving he said there was a bag (laughs) hanging on the back door and I saw it start to move and I thought well we've got another one well they showed the video of the purse oh yeah and it's moving they walk over it's a raccoon. It's a raccoon. Yeah. I mean, in their house. In I their mean, purse. I don't normally keep our raccoons in the kitchen. Right. Much less in your purse. Much less in my purse. <laughs> and I try not to keep my raccoons inside. But how do you not realize you've got a raccoon in your bag? You say raccoon funny. In your raccoon. bag. <laughs> raccoon. In your, in your bag. I was trying to say it fancy. <laughs> In your bag. I mean, if it's a purse raccoon, then it's a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) 
if it's a regular just house pet raccoon, then it's just a raccoon. I d- had no idea there but was a But purse raccoons are raccoons. I had no idea. Yeah. All right. So, uh, in the end, um, like I said, back this goes back and forth on the timeline. So, they go ahead and tell us. Right. Glenn Summerford is guilty, and he gets sent to jail for 99 years. Well, but now, but, they had some differing stories, though. Right. So, but, but yes, but... This is, like, the fact is he was found guilty, mm-hmm. and he was sentenced to 99 years. Right. So then what the, what the documentary does is it goes back and forth on the, on the timeline and on the storyline, the perspective. The he said, she said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because Glenn says, hey, um, I was convicted because of my past life. Right. Because I, I admittedly was not a good person in my past life. Right. And... Um, and for whatever reason, my wife wants to frame me. And I didn't do it, but you all think I'm guilty because I have had the capability of doing this. Right. And uh, by the and way, she loves snakes. She loves snakes. So she says, um, no, um, he actually did do it. Mm-hmm. And um, he got mad. I don't even remember. I've got to look at my notes. But he, he was upset, and uh, he put my face in one of the fish tanks. I mean, she said he attacked me and he beat me and blah, blah, blah. He actually did it. Well, from what, from what I understood was that she said he had put her hand into the tank and let the snake bite her and then made her wait two days and then put her hand in it again. That's right. And let her bite her, let it bite her again. And then said, if you don't let me put your hand in here, I'll put your face in here. Got it. Yeah. So that's what she is saying. She said that he would do that. He did that. And I don't blame her. I'll take lose, letting my hand rot off over my face rot off any day. Well, she said she knew she would die if her face got bit. Right. And what you're saying, Misty, is you may as well die if your face gets bit. If my face turns <laughs> black and falls off of my skeleton, go ahead and put me in the ground. Because <laughs> this is my moneymaker. Noted. Noted. I'm not going to be able to survive without it. Okay, yeah. noted. You're not going to do, like, Phantom at the Opera right. kind of thing. But according to him, he said um, she did this to herself. Right. And she's handled snakes before. She knows what it's all about. Um, so if she's bit, that's on her own accord. And she's just trying to set me up to get rid of me. All right, so the way this is going to go is the first chapter just sets up everything and introduces us to the Summerfords Mm -hmm. and then the second chapter is one perspective the third chapter is another perspective and the fourth chapter is bringing it all together right so the second chapter is where we learn all about Glenn Summerford Mm -hmm. and it is a real study in in how raising your children is raising your children the right way is important because they're they're not just going to overcome problems right you know if you if you traumatize your child or you have a trauma that happens to your child you're going to have a long that's a lifelong yes thing yes and so for glenn he started out life with a stepfather who took an who was a navy seal and he had killed and he had um you know one of these tough guys yeah and uh, violence was his language mm-hmm. was was what he spoke and so he said hey glenn my six seven eight year old stepson mm-hmm. i'm going to teach you how to fight yeah because glenn had been getting picked on around the neighborhood and he said he was 
pretty sick of it yeah. and that because he was kind of quiet and to himself he was just an easy target mm. and so his stepfather was like I'm about to learn you how to fight I'm gonna learn you and I'm gonna learn you how to win and so he started learning me so he did and can I can I tell you that one of my favorite parts was when they were on the log it took me back to dirty dancing <laughs> it was just <laughs> when I so there's a scene in the documentary where um, Glenn is like a six, seven-year-old little boy, and his stepfather's there, and he's kind of teaching him how to fight. And according to him, he was like, you know, he wasn't beating me or, or doing this in like a, an abusive way. He was literally teaching, teaching me how to defend myself. Yep. And he was like, and so he would well, let and be me. on the offensive too. Right, yeah. and he would let me, you know, take a swing and so that I could learn how to fight. And they're up on this log, and he's trying to keep... It's the same one from Dirty Dancing. Right. It's the same one from Dirty Dancing, and it's the same kind of back and forth of, we're just going to learn some balance here. Baby. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Is that the one they, yeah. the one they sing to uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like um, that. It, it was beautiful. We have ruined this documentary for people when they watch it well when they get to that scene just get prepared it's like a really serious scene (laughs) it really is to set up for us to set up how lifelong Mm -hmm. little glenn lives right but i was just and now they're going to be thinking of jennifer gray and patrick swayze i was just looking for johnny to walk out anytime (laughs) (laughs) but let's be honest i'm looking for that in any movie that's true yeah that's true so um so so he does he teaches them how to fight and and it becomes instinctual Mm-hmm. He taught him how to kill. Yeah. And this was a skill that Glenn took with him for his whole life, basically. But now I do give it to the stepfather. He told him, you know, as he was teaching him how to fight, you can't take back a life. Yeah. So if you're fighting and you're fighting to take a life, just remember that that's a final decision. Yeah. And so in self-defense, that's one of the things you have to determine yeah. is whether is this – fight to kill or fight just to survive yeah. it tells me hurt people hurt people i know how it's a super duper cliche but mm-hmm. um but the stepdaddy was obviously obviously had some trauma from his time right in serving and mm-hmm. um and so he taught his kid how to hurt you know that that right. was like i said just the language they spoke yeah and to him that was giving him a skill set and oh yeah defending Absolutely. that was his way of loving him was yeah teaching him how to defend himself hey let's talk about doris summerford <laughs> by the way i love doris summerford when Let, let's when, just <laughs> all i could think of when i saw doris summerford was it's awful to get older <laughs> oh and thank god you've had a super duper long life but yeah. um I really need to start taking care of myself a little better. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I went immediately and put on a layer of oil of Olay um, and I brushed my teeth. And, I went and signed up for CrossFit. Yeah, and brushed yeah. my teeth. And so Doris, one of, one of my favorite, there's many favorite quotes from Doris, but one of my favorites, because as, as you enter Doris's trailer, she is sitting back singing a hymn. She's awesome. And she said, um... I love to sing, but I can't carry a tune in a bucket. It's so awesome. She was one of my favorites. And she reminded me of every woman who sat behind us in church (laughs) up until I grew up (laughs) to the age that I could sit by myself. (laughs) Don't say. 
I've tried to harmonize it. I can't with this woman. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's one of those where you say make a joyful noise. Yes. Didn't say it had to sound good. She was great. She was great. So she says, hey, I married this guy. I met him when I was a kid, and we married young. And Mm -hmm. um, he was violent. And she said, I was scared of him a lot of the time, but he could be good. But I was scared of him a lot, and he liked to drink. And this is where the story takes a really – this is where I started thinking, you know what? It's all fun and games until something tragic happens. Right. And, um, you know, because you look at this woman, Doris, and my first reaction is like yours, and it's awful to say I'm so freaking superficial. Mm-hmm. But she's she is an unattractive woman, and she's quite elderly, mm-hmm. and she's very country, not educated. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, in my privileged way, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this lady. Mm-hmm. And then she starts telling these stories, and then I realize these are real people with real-life situations and real-life tragedies that right. have formed who they are, and uh, nobody's any better than the next person. Well, and that's one of the things. I mean, I'm from Alabama, and so I know my accent's kind of thick, but hers is even thicker. Oh, yeah. And, and, the, and the they first had subtitles. Time, they had subtitles. Right. You, you, have have to have, you have to have subtitles. And even being somebody from Alabama, when I hear somebody that thick, mm-hmm. the first thing your mind goes to is uneducated. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. they must be backwards uneducated. And Absolutely. I mean, I'll take full responsibility. That was my first impression yeah. as well. But as you meet people like that and you start to hear them talk, mm-hmm. she's not a stupid woman. No. At all. And um, she's been through a lot. And... Her way of dealing with things, as I listened to her explain some of those stories, was so far advanced, Mm -hmm. even more so than some people that I've met who are very educated. Yeah, and have Um, gone through years of therapy. Right, and (laughs) as as some of my people would say, she may not have book learning, but she's got common sense. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, I really, really liked Doris. I really liked Doris. She got, um, well... The short of it is, I mean, you hate to even go over it because it's so stinking tragic, but Glenn was out one night carousing, and he was drunk, and he came home, and one of the things he said was he had this little girl who was 18 months old, and it never mattered what time of day or night or morning he would come in. She would always wake up, and they would play. Yeah. And I can totally relate that. I have a five-year-old. I can still, you know, I have two children, but my five-year-old is the most recent, of course, and I can just remember her just always being happy and still right you know it's babies are joyful typically and um and so he he had other children and he loved them very much and Mm -hmm. there was never a situation where somebody said he was a terrible father and he hated me and all this stuff but he had this one special baby that was kind of what kept him going even though he was a drunk yeah and I mean I can speak from experience I'm the baby of the family and we are amazing you are indeed yeah so I mean I get it now is this this is where he had just come back from a fight the big fight yeah uh by the way there was a fight club in Scottsboro (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw Brad Pitt and me not chickens (laughs) for real people real life yeah so Glenn because he has this violence inside him it's Mm -hmm. innate it's it's I guess it was learned as a child, but now it's like, it's exactly what he, it's Well, and something about this one, and he had even said, like, he had had fights in the past, and it had just been scuffles, and sometimes they'd even put some money on it, and yeah. and it'd be one of those things. But this guy that he had fought that night, he considered a bad guy. And so, 
kind of took out some pent-up frustration on this man and really let him have it to the point that he described something that happened that I had to look at my husband and go, is that real? What is happening? He said that he hit him so hard in the side of the head that his eyeballs came out of his nose. Quote, I beat his eyes plumb out of his head. And and somebody said they came out of his nose. Well, the interviewer said, wait, um, do you mean that they actually... What do you mean? Fell out they, of his eye he sockets? He said they, they weren't in his eye, his head anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I mean, it, ta- it takes a minute really for that to settle in. Yeah. That, that is a severe beating. And when he said that, I don't, I don't know if other people have this fear, but I have always had a fear of my eyeballs coming out. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> like the whole sneezing with your eyes open, like <laughs> I'm very funny about eyes anyway, and I know that they're held on by strings. And Yes. So when he said that, I was just like, well, that's my worst nightmare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he comes home. Because that don't kill you. No, it does not. No. No, it will be painful and you'll be blind. Yeah. Oh, wow. Complete Because I don't remember them saying the guy died. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember think he what died. happened to that guy. Um, or I don't know what happened to that guy. Yeah. Um, so he comes home and he's drunk. Mm-hmm. And he goes to sleep after playing with this baby girl right and one of the kids wakes up and says there's a fire mm-hmm. and turns out there's this massive fire and he gets everybody out of the house and once everybody's away from the fire he starts counting children and they realize they've left this 18 month old baby in the house well and you wonder to yourself how do you forget one of your kids um doris's hair caught on fire Doris's hair caught on so fire. So there yeah. in the midst of that, he said he was trying to get the kids out when he sees Doris and her head lights up. Yeah. And so he starts trying to put her out yeah. and get her out of the house. And so in the midst of all that Ooh, chaos. It's a frantic. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like one, two, three, four, let's get them all out. Yeah. He's just trying to keep her from burning to death. Yes. And get these kids out and they get outside and it's, yes. we're missing one. Yeah. Yeah. He was at fault in the sense that he beat a man half to death and potentially that was who set the house on fire or he came home drunk and couldn't handle right getting everybody at the house but it wasn't a situation where it was um you know oh whatever we've got one left right um but this changes their life of course their 18 month old child they still have five or six other children Mm -hmm. but this 18 month old child tragically dies a little girl and doris was so um stoic about it and so Mm -hmm. um i guess it's been enough years that she's able to kind of talk about it rationally without you know breaking down um yes yeah. so uh, i recently had a death in my family and when i talk about it i like i can barely right. get words out right so much less yeah. you being there watching it ha- and she and knowing how knowing how and standing outside while it's happening yeah. and not being able to get to her yeah yes because they can they held them back yeah they held them back because it was it was engulfed you couldn't get in the windows there was no way for them to save the she baby and yeah and she just like you said, she spoke about it, and she said, it changed my life forever. I have never felt a pain like that in my life, but at some point I decided I have these other kids, and I have to do the best I can for them. Well, and then after that, you know, Glenn and Doris, I can imagine, and she said as much, that it changed their marriage. Like, they loved each other, and they still tried to be there for the kids, but... He got deeper into his alcoholism. Yeah, he's sad. He's deeper in the alcoholism. I'm sure her as a mother, she's just trying to, you know, be be happy and try to carry on for the children, And but there's a disconnect there, and it really shows when um, 
he leaves her for another woman. Well, they got separated. Right. They got separated. And I think Doris might have been part of that whole, you know, she was like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. But um, Glenn met Darlene, and they got married before his divorce was filed. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite things she said was. They got married on Doris's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) They did. Glenn is something else. And that Darlene said, I mean, he told me that he wasn't married anymore. And, I mean, I should have known when he didn't even marry me in his own name. (laughs) Married her in a different name. But she said, but I believed him anyway. Darlene says, from the first day I got married, I didn't want to be married to him no more. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. That Glenn must have really knew how to put it on a woman and, and get them hooked to him quick. Darlene looks like she's had some hard living. Well, you know, when I first saw... Now, let me tell you this. Um, Glenn's a pretty attractive guy. Right. I mean, especially in his younger years. He's a good-looking fella. And um, I'm not going to lie to you. Doris was still homely as when she was young. Yeah. I mean, she... When I saw she her... She was unattractive. She was just homely. The first, the first sight you see of her is when she's elderly. And so I... I automatically, whenever I see an elderly woman, I always wonder, what did she look like when she was young? Yeah. And so that was what I was thinking, and I was trying to think, what in the world could she have looked like? Because Glenn still looked pretty good old, okay? And when they showed her picture, I was like, oh, well, she looks like Doris, just younger. (laughs) I mean, she was still pretty homely. Yeah. And so, but then when I saw Darlene, I thought, well, Darlene's not, not bad. I mean, she... Um, okay. She was carrying it better than Doris. I'm going <laughs> to give her that. Okay? She she Look, still looks... We act like we are Ford modeling agency models, and we're about to walk the runway. Look, I'm sitting here right now in a pair of leggings, and I have not washed my hair in two days. <laughs> but I'm about to judge Doris, and I'm about to judge... Darlene. Darlene. Okay? Um, to me, Darlene also looked a little younger, too. Yeah. I think that was probably yes. a little bit of it. You yes. know, he, he thought he was going to get himself an upgrade. Yeah. 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 So. But Darlene said, whew, he got me locked down and I was ready to leave. Yes. At the word go. On the first, yeah, first day. She said yeah. the only good thing that came out of it was their baby, Marty. Right. Marty. And um, Marty is, of course, all grown up now. Yeah. He's got his own family. He lives in a little mm. town called Limrock. He's precious. Which is a town I've never heard of. And I've lived in Alabama since I was nine years old. Yeah. So maybe it's a suburb of Scottsboro, which would be <laughs> real tiny. Yeah. But Marty says, um, my dad didn't have a conscience before he got church. Right. And this is where things sort of start taking a turn. Right. So we, we know that Glenn, you know, we've set it up where Glenn is just violent times violent he's violent he leaves his wife he cheats on her basically he's married before they're divorced drinking beating people's eyes out of their heads absolutely just not great so there were these two brothers in town that would come over to his property and they would just pray on his property and they would try to get glenn to pray with them and um and glenn said well you know what um i'm gonna go into this cave on a 30-day retreat Mm-hmm. Am I getting this right? They well, they they gave him a Bible. They gave him a Bible, and he and they said God sent us here for you. Yeah, and he felt like he had he he felt the calling of the Holy Spirit. Yes. to go to this cave with this for Bible thirty days, and did not know how to read. He's 
<laughs> Amaryllis, pull it together. <laughs> he said God taught him to read during the 30-day retreat. Right. And he read the whole New Testament. He said he read the whole thing. Okay. He said, I read... We need to have a conversation about this, Misty. He said, I read the whole... All of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Inside a dark cave. Inside a dark cave in 30 days. In 30 days. Without knowing how to read. Without knowing how to read. Yeah. All right. So you give me your take on this. Because we are believers... Yes, let's make that clear. We we are Christians. Mm-hmm. We believe in believe in Scripture, and yes. we believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and His redemption. Absolutely. Um, I don't know that I believe that this happened. Okay. Um, I just don't know. It just stretches credulity. Mm-hmm. It's just. What do you think? Okay, so here's my my realm of thinking so I have seen some miraculous things in my life and Mm -hmm. um I don't know that I fully believe all of the details but I have no doubt that God could totally um make the word evident to him and that he could understand it and read it if he if he so chose to. But um, Glenn has some doozies too. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's an interesting conversation. If you are a Christian, it is an inter- interesting conversation because, mm-hmm. you know, there's the whole thing about the kinds of people that God uses for his work. Right. And um, how he doesn't just look to the Billy Grahams and, right. and the Jonathan whatever the uh, all these large very well-known pastors and shepherds and Mm -hmm. um he uses the small guy and oftentimes the most sinful person right and um but at the same time this guy was making claims that they're almost they're fantastical yes and they're not necessarily miraculous. They're just fantasy to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's an interesting conversation to have. Certainly, do Here. I believe that God has the ability? I wouldn't be a believer if mm-hmm. I didn't believe that he had that ability. Right. Do I think that God works in that way anymore, uh, typically? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's true. Not typically. I do believe that God can do what you say is a fantastical miracle. Yeah. Um, I don't think he does it every Thursday yeah. of, of the first month of the year. And every, only at the Pentecostal Holy And only church. at your house, okay? Um, I do sense that sometimes, um, and I think is, is probably a lot of what happened here. When I watched this, my way of thinking was, you know, God did something miraculous in his life and with him being able to, because we watched him stand up there and read scripture afterwards, yeah. okay? Um, maybe he did give him the ability to read, and maybe he did open up scripture to him. And then, because this man is human, he took that miracle, and he transformed it into something of his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it became not look at what God has done, but now look at look what, what I'm going to do. That's fair, Yeah. Yeah. Preach it, sister. Girl, don't make me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so so Glenn um, so Glenn comes out of this 30-day retreat, and he's like, I'm sold. 
I'm a man of God. I want to serve the Lord. Let's do it. Yeah. So around that time, Darlene finds God too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so Glenn becomes a pastor. Yes. Which is a conversation I also want to have. <laughs> Let's do it. Because now we have someone with no theological training, mm-hmm. no ability to read in original languages and real intent of what scripture is meant to say. Right. And he's taking those words and he's preaching what he thinks mm-hmm. is right. Right. And so this is what I find to be really wrong with these tiny little churches and these, these, um, you know, typically deep South kind of, mm-hmm. oh, this makes me sound so elitist and I don't mean <laughs> for that to be the case at all. Yeah. I just, because these people have heart, like they have good hearts. They mm-hmm. want to serve God. They, they want to serve, serve the people, but they do them a disservice by mm-hmm. not learning the actual true meanings of these words. Yes. And so I, I come from an opposite standpoint, which I think okay. is what is so awesome about our podcast. Okay. <laughs> because so I was raised by a minister. Mm-hmm. And so when I watched this documentary, it it reminded me a lot of my dad because my dad grew up very rough. He, um, you know, was, was a rough and tumble in and out of jail, was a, a drug abuser and an alcoholic, even up into the time that after I was born and I was like I think maybe three years old when he accepted Christ Um, and it was it's so weird because same thing he would be out in the front yard working on cars because he was a mechanic by trade and this preacher kept coming and visiting him at his house and he would say I want you to come to church and my dad would be like "Eh, I'm good (laughs) now meanwhile my mother was very much um, a Christian and had always gone and taken us to church and she would go regardless and, um, you know, but my dad was just like, mm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really buying it. And so the guy just never gave up. And finally, my daddy told him, he said, if you will quit coming to my house, I'll go to church tonight. They were having a tent revival. And he said, um, but if I go, don't ever step your foot back on my property. I'm tired of seeing you. And so the guy was like, <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Like, let's go. And so my dad went to the service that night and he said he was mad about it. He said, I drank a beer before I left because I needed it to get to get through the get service. Through it, yeah. And he said, I sat on the back row, was not happy about it. But throughout that message, God worked in his heart to the point that when he gave the invitation to ask if anyone wanted to accept Christ, he said he literally felt unable to continue to sit there, that he felt the draw of the Holy Spirit and he he had to go down and he said I didn't even know what I was doing he was like I didn't know anything about church or the Bible and he said you know I just went down there and I said all I know is whatever God has for me is what I want and the guy prayed with him and and took him through the steps to accept Christ and even said to him look we've we've got a baptistry back there (laughs) and we can baptize you tonight you know this is how it worked back then we didn't schedule anything it wasn't nothing like this there was no classes beforehand (laughs) right and so according to my daddy my daddy said well they must not have had somebody get saved in quite a while because that water was freezing (laughs) (laughs) and so he takes him into the baptistry and he said look you know again I don't know what baptism is I don't I don't know what to do and he said well you know, you just start thanking God for the ways that he's going to change you. He said, because that's what baptism is. It's a representation of 
the old man dies and the new man comes to life and so that's yeah. what you're going to do when you go into that water you thank god i'm going to get emotional okay. <laughs> i'm sorry that's that's totally fine you start thanking god for all the things he's gonna do in your life through this and so you know my dad said that he he knew that god had saved him but he knew he was still an alcoholic and he said i knew that as soon as i went home i was going to drink again and he said and that scared me because i didn't want anyone to doubt that god had saved me just because i was still an alcoholic and he said because just because god saves you doesn't mean he redeems you from all the fleshly things he redeemed you from hell and so he said when he went into the water he just started saying god i thank you for delivering me from alcoholism i thank you for delivering me from alcoholism and he said he just he would say it over and over again and he can remember it in his mind and he said it was like that water started to boil and he said you know nobody probably believes until this day but he said it was like he could feel the hold that alcohol had on him released from his body and you know he said he came out and and he felt different and he said he didn't know how but but he still felt he felt different and so he said he went home that night and he still wanted to drink the alcohol Mm -hmm. but he didn't he was strong enough to say no and he never had a drop of alcohol since that day and so after that not long after that you know he began to start to read scripture now my dad didn't go past the eighth grade he was not an educated man um but incredibly smart incredibly wise and um had learned a lot of skills and things through joining the navy but um he started to read the scripture and and pray that god would reveal it to him and and he was quite a theologian by the time i you know was old enough to understand but not long after that felt the call to preach and submitted to that call and began preaching soon after that so and my dad preached from the time i was i believe he started preaching about a year after he got saved which is not long, y'all, at all, especially for somebody that doesn't know anything about the Bible. Um, Because believe me, if you're a Christian, you know you're still learning every Every single day. But preached from that day until he died, which was um, four years ago. And so, and also never took another sip of alcohol from that day until he died, which was about four years ago, and he was 64 years old. So... When I hear stories like we heard on Alabama Steak, um, I do look at them from a um, logical point of view, but I also look at a real testimony that I grew up with, and so it's hard for me to doubt sometimes. Um, But it is not hard for me to look at evidence of things that don't line up with the Bible. Well, the story that you just said I think is very different than the story that Glenn says that Glenn tells Mm -hmm. because um, let's see if I can find um, some of those miracles that he talked about now I can't even find what it was that but to not know how to read and to then magically learn how to read read Mm -hmm. is very different than feeling God's Holy Spirit right feeling his redemption because for me, it's easy to believe because I've seen it too, mm-hmm. and seeing life change. Like, it's right. easy to believe that God can have life change and fill you. Right. It's very difficult for me to believe in magic. 
Right. And I think that that's what a lot of what Glenn talks about. Yeah, I think the difference between, like, a story like my dad's and Glenn's is, so, you know, with, with my dad, he believed that who God calls, he qualifies. Yeah. And that's scriptural. Yeah. But you have to put in the work. Yes. And, you know, my, my father, from the time I can remember to literally the day he died, was always in the word he was always studying scripture he was always reading books he was he literally you know taught himself about the bible by being in the scripture and being in the word and learning from other pastors and not being someone who thought he knew it all you know he was he was literally a student always and glenn from what i could tell kind of felt like as soon as he decided you know this is the path I'm going to go on then he was preaching things that weren't even black and white in the Bible yes and and they immediately went to that scripture in Mark which is what this entire documentary is based on or the title at least in Mark 16 17 through 18 about being a serpent handler yes and so for them they're their preaching and their faith was all about this, this right. one thing. And so, and that's a dangerous, dangerous yeah. game to play. Oh my God! Not just literally, yeah. but in all things. Yes. When you when you focus all of your belief around one singular act or yes. idea, things start to get yeah. real. Well, there's a whole foggy. 66 books in the Bible. Yeah. And th- this is one chapter in one book and three and two or three verses. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about Glenn and how he was preaching without being educated and I don't I hope you don't understand that that's that I don't mean that in the sense of you can't get up and talk to a crowd right if you don't have a theological degree in fact sometimes it's better that you don't have one right but um, what I mean in particular for this man is they are hyper focused on a couple of things right and um, and it was very emotional too every time you saw videos of them it was they were hyping themselves up to get those snakes out hyping Mm -hmm. themselves up to worship and and that's a dangerous it was almost like a worship of the snakes yes (laughs) not a worship of god absolutely absolutely um okay we've gotten so like behind like i'm really enjoying this no i love it (laughs) (laughs) okay oh oh this is the one that was crazy i just saw uh uh one time darlene was uh, chopping vegetables and she chopped her finger off and uh, and Glenn took it, and they felt it hook back on. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That did not happen. Glenn. I know. I know. That did not happen. I, I, okay. <laughs> I agree. That did not happen. Okay. I, I agree. All right. Then Marty says that he actually saw demons cast out. Now we can have a whole conversation about that. Mm-hmm. I kind of. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Elite America, I do believe that that happened. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it totally does. Um, but when you sticking off, sticking a severed finger back on your body, that did not happen. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna call foul on that one. <laughs> that did not happen. I'm gonna say, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I'm not real sure about that one. All right. So then we move. This is so that was Glenn's redemption. But right? that also, you know, that shows so much to me about how when. When it starts becoming about you and not about God, yes, you can start to really embellish yes. to help this thing build. And 
it becomes less about you know bringing people to Christ and more about filling your church pews yes and getting them locked in on this idea that makes you feel pretty much like a god yourself which is all I could think of when I see these people handling these snakes is they're basically trying to prove how holy they are yes because if you get bitch you're not holy you're not holy and you're not saved and that's totally against scripture because the bible says all who call on the name of jesus shall be saved yeah you don't let me tell you something if my salvation is based on a snake we're in bad shape i'm the biggest devil you ever met because i'm not <laughs> touching that snake we are in bad shape i'm not touching that snake and my daddy hated i'm gonna start living for the here and now yeah what's gonna happen <laughs> when i look at my dad like my dad is is so much like because i lived with him and i saw him be perfectly imperfect and i saw how he leaned on god he, that man hated snakes. He would say to he would say to me, "I'll drive three miles out of the way to run over a snake." You went to a non snake handling Pentecostal That's, church. That was non snake handling up in there, and actually, we ended up Baptist. So okay, yeah, we do it, not have typically have snake handlers. Yeah, in we the don't Baptist church. I mean, unless we, we have a snake committee, I don't. We've know We've got about. some stuff. We've got some stuff, but we do not have snake handlers. No, 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 no. We no, got no. lots of casseroles. Lots uh, of delici- pre-COVID casseroles. Delicious casseroles. <laughs> We have lots of fellowships, mm-hmm. but yeah, we yeah. do not have snakes. A lot of committees. All right, so so now we've got set the scene where Glenn is, has become very, well, seemingly has become very holy, and he's been redeemed, and now he does not right. think the way he used to think were his immediate. And Darlene's right there with him. Like, she is. She's up in there. She's handling the snakes. And they even said, like, they went to church seven nights a week. Yes. Every, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Let's talk Could about. You imagine telling our husbands. Let's that talk we're about this for just one second, okay? Um, now, I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Oh yes. Now that I'm in a different type of church atmosphere, I go to church on Sunday mornings. Um, I do my best to get to choir to practice on Wednesday nights, and they switched our Sunday school from <laughs> Sunday morning to Sunday night, and I said absolutely not. <laughs> So you didn't go until they conceded, and now we do it on Sunday mornings. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> so if if you told me for you to be holy and go to heaven, you're going to have to be up in this building seven nights a week. We're in bad shape. I'd be like, where's Grace? I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you change. That's when you become a different denomination. Right. Yeah. Right? Like the Presbyterians, yeah. they just go on Sunday mornings. Well, you know, I just say some people need more Jesus than others. Apparently. 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 Yes. All right, so now we're moving into the he said, she said portion of this. Right. So Glenn says, you know, as I got closer to the Lord, Darlene just got more and more jealous. Absolutely. So Darlene found herself a honey. Yeah. And he said, I was out um, praying. Can I please tell y'all something? Bring it in the woods. Every time Philip comes home and my house is not clean, and he says, "What have you done all day?" I'm gonna start saying, "Well, I've been out in the woods praying." So if you've got something to say about that, take it up with take the Lord. it up with the big man. Yes, thanks. So Glenn was just out praying, as one does, sure, in the woods mm-hmm. and on their property. Yes, and he sees her go into some building that they have on their property. Um, with sure, a man. Surely not the snake shed. No, no, it was not the snake shed. It was they some had a number of, of self-made tin buildings yes, on that property. Yes. 
So she walks in with some man, and then she comes out wearing different clothes like an hour later. Uh, yeah. They call yeah. that sus. So, so she, yes. So she, he confronts her, and she says, yeah, um, I'm sorry. I've, I've got all these infidelities. Right. I've got right. demons in me. And so she, he says, I, I really just felt like she was trying to get me to snap. Right. Um, and he felt that way because God had told him that's what was happening. Right. And the church members told her she's full of demons. Yes. Yes. And she, uh, she might have been because mm-hmm. the next thing she says is, hey, Glenn, uh, you know those teenage boys that you have? I used to get in the bed with them when you weren't home. When that, <gasps> when she said that or he said that, whoever said it, the narrator, I did not see that coming at all. Uh, no. They were 13 and 14 years old. Disgusting. So it turns out one of those two boys says, yep, she used to come into the room and would make us have sex with her. And we probably need to put like a parental warning on this thing. I guess. Um, <laughs> sorry, folks. Um, and gosh, that sounds like I'm making light of this. It's horrible. No. So she would come into this room. And now the other child says that never happened. So There again, knows? you have. It, who knows? Either way, let's say it didn't happen. Why would you say that? horrible why would you say that i mean it's just awful yeah so uh so he says well you know what um we're gonna divorce yeah i can't i can't, we can't stay together if you have done and are doing these things that you're telling you're a me child that, molester yes. and you're an adulteress and yeah yeah, yeah. No. so uh after he said he wanted a divorce she tried to od but she had just she took a bunch of pills and Glenn realized it. Mm-hmm. So he went and got her some water and he prayed over the water, right? And then he gave her the water and said, "Here, this will save you." Yes. And she drank it. He, she for he forced her to drink the water, like uh-huh. he made her drink the water, right? And then she went and threw up all the stuff. Yeah, because now, he prayed over the water. But now traditionally, water is turned into wine, not ipecac. You get a very different result. You do get a different result. Well, maybe not so much. Depends on how much of it you drink. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so then Darlene says she got bit. I don't really understand how, what ended up happening, how she got, she says. Now, on Darlene's end of it, when she comes and tells her side of the story. Yeah. It's that they had gotten into an altercation yep. that they had been fighting for days. Yes. And I don't know if it was over the divorce. I don't know if it was over the man or the, the kids. I mean, there were a multitude of reasons for them to be fighting, probably all of them. Um, but he basically said, you've got demons in you, and you're about to go handle these. You're about to go pick these snakes yep. up. And she said, I don't want to do that. And he said, well, you're going to. And so he took her into the shed and forced her hand down into the the cage and i'm pretty sure even if she had handled these snakes in the past you go poking at a rattler they're not puppies these are not like your beautiful new kittens you've got no they're they're not puppies this this snake did not come up and lick her hand i mean it's it's their reflex to, to bite you and so it did the snake bit her on the hand and she said that immediately she pulled her hand out of the cage and he was like, nope, if you don't put your hand in that cage, I'm going to stick your face in that cage. And that's when she stuck her hand in And so she stuck her hand in it again and the rattler bit her again. Well, so she, 
he won't take her to the hospital. She's like, take me to the hospital. And he said, absolutely not, because if, if God heals you from this, that means that the, that the demons are gone. And yeah. so she was like, um, okay, well, so she waits two days. Yeah. And it begins to necrose, yeah. which is basically your skin turns black and the starts flesh dying. starts dying yeah. and falling away. He again says, well, we obviously didn't get this right the first time. We're going to stick your hand in the snake pit again, which was the night that she called the ambulance. So again, yeah. he forces her out. She says at gunpoint at this point yeah. that she had said, nope, I'm not doing it. I don't care. Stick my face in, stick whatever in it. And he then got his gun and held a gun to her head, walked her out to the snake shack, and stuck her hand back in. The snake bit her again while she's all necrosed. Yeah. And she said she thought she was going to die. And so she called the ambulance and asked them not to turn on the lights or the sirens. She also gave him vodka so that he would pass out. That's right. That's right. She She gave him enough vodka so that he would pass out. Now, I, I I don't like to... To, to blame, okay? But a man who is so righteous now oh, yes. that has to handle snakes and, and all these things um, who bases part of his sin on alcohol, I'm sorry, why are you drinking vodka? Yes. Well, I mean, before you said it was... The Lord probably told him it was okay. It was part of your, your sin that you were struggling with, but now you can drink it or... I mean, yeah, you can taste that. Yeah. I'm sorry. She didn't trick you with that whole no, water. She didn't. That is vodka. Yeah. And so uh, from her uh, and from her perspective or from his perspective telling the story, mm-hmm. um, I realize now looking at my notes, what he says happened was Darlene went and got herself bit. Right. Because she wanted to commit suicide. Right. And she wrote a note. She was missing. The next morning, he told her, mm-hmm. or the night before, we're getting a divorce. So she, what? he passes out. Mm-hmm. She goes and gets her hand bit mm-hmm. in the snake shack. shack mm-hmm. And has already left a note, but for Marty. Right. And the note says, your dad doesn't know about this. Nobody knows about this. This is just me. Uh, I love you so much. And I'm going to go get myself bit. And right. see you later. So... So now you see what's happening, right? Glenn says, she got herself bit. She knows how to handle snakes. Right, she set and me she up. she says, I went at gunpoint. Right. So who, you know, who do we blame here? Of course, it was Glenn. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, they went through the whole uh, trial and stuff. And so after she called the ambulance, mm-hmm. the, um, after we circle back to the, so we start with the ambulance and now we circle back to the ambulance. Once that happens, um, there's not much left in the documentary, but to, there's a trial and the trial lasts like two and a half days and mm-hmm. he's found guilty and she did get to go on sally jesse she went on sally jesse jesse Raphael, <laughs> yep with subtitles uh-huh and um the glenn um it was attempted murder mm-hmm. with a snake bite but he got 99 years sentenced 99 years but only because this was his third strike and you're out right so he had already had these felonies that had followed him from when he was a young man. And the judge was like, well, you've been convicted of attempted murder. I don't have a choice. You are going to live the rest of your life in jail for right. nine years. So uh, 11 years later, is that right? Mm-hmm. 11 years later, Glenn is out on work release 
uh, with whoever, however many people, and he escaped. Yes. He escaped. Yes. Um, and 45 minutes later, they <laughs> found him in a dumpster. Uh, so he was taken back to jail, and they tagged on another 30 years now to this his is, sentence. Now, this was the part to where I said, Glenn, maybe you're not all you're cracked up to be. Because if you you're think? turning water into Ipecac, <laughs> and you're over here hooking fingers back on, yep. and you're telling me that you couldn't stay out of that jail 45 minutes. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, God literally delivered three men out of a furnace. <laughs> they kept a lion he, from biting. A lion from biting them, and he couldn't get you out of a dumpster. I'm, I'm calling, I'm yes, calling foul on that one. Something is Something's not fishy. right with you, Glenn. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, um, what this is, is it just, it tells a story of a culture that even those of us who've grown up in this state right. don't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, it, because even though we have a we have a state full of tiny little churches, um, and a state full of very faithful people, of yes. people or people of faith, I should say, um, this this microcosm, this little world, is not something mm -hmm. that we really know a lot about. And right. um, it just it's really tragic. It's a yeah. really sad sad way of experiencing your faith. Right. And I'm sure that, you know, it probably really, really devastated a lot of those church members who oh, gosh. who had put so much faith into this man. I mean, you have to really... It shakes your faith. You have to really believe in someone to be going to church five days a week, number one. Or yeah. seven days. Seven, days, seven a days a week, number one. Handling snakes. Handling snakes. Your babies are over in the corner. They hadn't slept mm -hmm. all night. They're in sleeping bags. And, mm -hmm. you know, y'all are up to all hours. And and you just, you imagine what kind of a toll that takes on a family to be that committed. And then to watch it all kind of crumble away in yeah. such a gross way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's really sad in a lot of ways. One thing that was a bright spot sort of was um, Marty their son oh, Darlene Marty. and Glenn's son yeah he he the best and the worst thing that ever happened to him was this situation because yeah. I say that because he lost his mom and his dad and that's right. the worst thing yeah um, but the best thing was that he lost his mom and his dad and he was able to go grow up in another home where um now as an adult he has grown children and a marriage of 20 years mm -hmm. of a, with a woman who he loves and loves him back I mean they were so cute talking about each other yeah. and just a stable life you know they're still in this small town this small and he's not a man of faith sounds like mm -hmm. anymore and that's another consequence of living this kind of life of not having any grace in your faith and not right. having any joy in it, but right. just wanting to catch that high right. from the worship mm -hmm. um, without any foundation. That's right. a real danger of that. And, yeah. you know, so many people seek that. I mean, I've, I've been there, <coughs> yeah. you know, as a young person trying to, you know, oh, my gosh, it feels so good to be right. among a group of believers and worshiping. But, you know, when the lights turn on, you know, it's kind of like the old rock stars, right? When the lights turn on and all the audience right. goes away, what happens, you know? Right. That's if, the danger of chasing a feeling. Yeah. And not chasing after God. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's not always these great highs and you're yeah. not always going to be 
turning water into wine yeah like it's not all about that it is it is the hard times and it is you know finding joy and like you said strength and and coping depending on your faith and not depending on look I just picked a snake up yes exactly (laughs) exactly um well we're back we did it we did it we kind of preached today. I'm sorry, people. We oh, totally preached today. We did. This is a long. This is going to be a long one. And if you're not down with that, that's okay. Still come back and listen to us. Like yes, you know. Yeah, it's it's not it's not we're not always the church girls. Not always. Not no. always. And we're kind of fun anyway. I mean, yeah. And so. I mean, we're we're probably a very unique type of church girl anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least in our. Our body of believers. That's exactly And the people right. who love us, they That's probably right. look at us and go, well, I don't know about that one. Yes, but, exactly. I mean, even my husband. They probably want to get us to handle some snakes yeah. so we can prove our faith. Even my husband, the Sunday school teacher, be looking at me like, Misty, <laughs> please do not speak in class today. <laughs> please do not go hang out with Amarillo. So <laughs> just just know that that we um, are all about some, some love and grace and, yes. and just, uh, you know. Everybody's welcome to listen to this podcast. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, okay, so we're back. We're going to try to do this again every single week, just like we did in the past. Yes. I'm so excited Me to have too. some normalcy because it has, yeah, it, it, I've, I've, mi- I've missed us. I know. Missed it made me. me not as fun. I know. Yeah. Uh, okay, next week, Class Action Park. Get you ready. Got to, did you watch it yet? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make a public apology to this man. I mean, he was so wonderful. And, well, I'll tell the story next week. I won't tell it now. Uh-huh. But uh, he was so sweet, so wonderful. And this movie is so great. Well, so. can I please tell you that on my, to defend myself, I did not have that HBO Max. And it, you can't get it on Hulu. Right. Regular HBO so I kept trying to find it, and I couldn't, and I was like, am I forgetting my title wrong? And then, like, you had said it again, and then you said HBO Max, and I was like, okay. And then we ended up getting HBO Max yeah. because, I mean, I need it for work, Yes, which is this podcast. Absolutely. And so then I was like, that's why I couldn't find it. Yeah. So, but I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it beforehand because now I'm going to have such a fresh perspective. It'll be brand new for you. It's so much fun to It's going to be great. I'm yeah, excited. It's really fun. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for joining us. I yeah. hope you had fun. And um, tell we'll your see. friends, like, subscribe. Oh, yes. I forgot. Do see, all I'm that so rusty. jazz. Yes. Yeah. Please leave us reviews because Misty and I are very, very self-centered. Yes. And we really like to know what people think of us, but only if it's good. Only if five bad, stars or above. Don't. If it's bad, we are not interested. No. If you have criticisms, uh-uh. We don't do that. No. We do. We are not accepting criticism. We're not about that. We get that from our husbands. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And our children. <laughs> and our children. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, this is really just about building our self-esteem. So yes. if you could help us with that, well, I think that'd be great. we have this false sense of self-esteem, and we want them to prop that up. Well, just just go ahead and help us really legitimize the fact that we're awesome. And yes, I mean, and just, if you don't think so, please do not. I'm going to be honest. It. It's really about just proving it to my 16 year old. Fair enough. I need her at some point to look at me and go, "You really are cool." 
That and, will never happen. And you really are funny. Because she took me down a couple notches yesterday. She does this all the time. So rude. I mean, I give birth to you. And breastfed you for over a year. Avery. Good grief. And so... Yesterday, we're walking into TJ Maxx, and this woman is behind us, and she says, hey, um, are y'all mother and daughter? Like, are you related? And I said, well, yes, we are. And I flipped my little head around, and she said, well, my gosh, I mean, now that I see you from the front, like, she was walking behind us, she could just see our hair. She was like, your hair looks identical in the back. She was like, and now that I see your face, like, y'all could pass for sisters. And I was like, um, yes. well, I'm buying you a Christmas present here in TJ Maxx, $10 <laughs> limit. Um and so I was like, oh, you're so sweet. Da, da, da. Of course, Avery cuts her eyes at me and immediately pulls out a scrunchie and puts her hair in a bun. <laughs> I mean, it was such it was such a fast reaction. I don't even know where the scrunchie came from. I didn't see Emergency it. scrunchie. I didn't see it beforehand. And she whipped it up so fast <laughs> that by the time I turned my head, I was like, your hair was not in a bun before she said that. And she goes, oh, I mean, it was, it was just getting on my nerves. <laughs> I bet it was. Also, my youthful appearance was on your nerves. Thanks. So, folks, in order to combat this kind of trauma. Exactly. We really need you. I don't want to have to go into snake handling to build myself esteem. Isn't it really sad that we're begging for this? I mean, not really. A little bit. That's all we've got. We're not too proud. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.